being isolated in your own little bubble away from friends and I guess everybody except your immediate family has been, I guess, dark, you could say. It's just you're staring at the same walls and roof all the time and you're just limited on what you can do to say the least. So, I mean, trying to make the most of what you have and your resources at your fingertips, that's all you got. But other than that, it's been pretty dark times, I guess, for some. And I guess just making the most of what you can do is all you can do, I guess, these days. So. is an ever-evolving place. We live, we learn, we adjust. It is a continuous cycle with new ideologies being brought to the forefront in an effort to make for the best economical and political theories possible, for the good of us all. Time may debunk certain theories. Time may open our eyes to those who are trying to exploit us. Time may be on our side, and on the contrary, time may not be on our side. At the pit of it all, the issue of humanity and the balance of power being so far strung out that those who are oppressed finally come to terms with laying it all on the line. How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to endure? Is there cause for change? Or should we continue to trust our system? We have opinions, not answers, but maybe, just maybe, in the thick of it all, we will be able to find the means we are looking for to live in harmony with one another and to live in harmony with our planet and the vast amount of life that shares this home with us. Thanks for joining today. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Social Perspective Dispute. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 8 of the Social Perspective Dispute. In this episode I'm able to talk to father-son duo Steve and Jace McGrail and they are very active in the community and they are also very active in sport and it was great to be able to share Jace's perspective being in the youth age group. He is uh in 2005 born, he was the captain of his Lambton Junior Sting Hockey Club AAA team. And he is also eligible for the OHL draft this upcoming June. So it was great to be able to talk a little bit of hockey with them. It's great to hear kind of how things are developing and how he is able to stay on track during the entire pandemic, even though so much has been taken and and lost through this time. Uh, he continues to have uh, a positive outlook and obviously carries some frustrations, but he r- tries to remain positive and keep looking forward. So it was uh, an honor to be able to talk to them. Uh, Jace will actually be uh, part of a four-man team today as they take on a 100-kilometer challenge. Uh, for a local boy who is suffering with a brain tumor, so all proceeds for that will be going towards him. And the uh, later on in the episode, you can find out details on how to um, contribute to that. So without further delay, I will bring you Steve, Jace, and myself. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Steve and Jace McGrail. Guys, thanks for joining me this evening. Hey, thank you. So the McGrail family is an active family and involved in the community heavily from what I can gather. Uh, Steve, you're an elementary school teacher in Wyoming and have been involved with uh, local sports and actively share local news and updates on the athletes from the area. Uh, you're also an avid supporter of the Terry Fox run, and I, maybe you're even the coordinator of that. Uh, you can elaborate on that if you choose. Uh, and you're definitely heavily involved with many other great causes. And Jace, uh, I know you're into hockey and baseball, 
And obviously you're probably into other sports as well, especially being still in high school, you dip into everything at that age. So uh, you too have been active in charitable events. One that immediately comes to mind because I had the t-shirt is the Hungry for Hockey campaign. You, you helped run with funds going to, uh, it was the end of the Good Shepherd, I believe. Yeah. Um, so just a quick question, I guess, off the, the start here is uh, what's the driving force behind uh, the family's will and want to help? And what are some of the principles and qualities you feel you'll learn from doing selfless acts such as these? Steve, do you want to start off with that? Uh, sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, growing up in a small town, everybody knows everybody, you know, you meet at the ball diamond or the hockey rink or soccer field or whatever. And all the kids kind of know each other. They go to school with each other. And yeah. when you see a kind of a need in the community, uh, it's easy, easy to see in a small town. And um, when you want to do something, it's, it's good because you know a lot of people and they will rally around whatever cause is going on. Yeah. I know personally as a, from our family perspective, and uh, you know this as well, that uh, having kids isn't always the easiest thing and, you know, having to use uh, the London hospital and the, the NICU and yeah. children's and stuff like that. That's how we kind of launched into a big fundraising campaign when we lost our daughter when she was premature right. um, back in 04. And that we kind of started a, a foundation and we called the Kylie's Cause and did a run walk and an auction in town and and we did that for eight years and raised 365,000. And that's great. It kind of took on a life of its own. And you realize that the good you can do for people when they're at their most vulnerable time. And it kind of, it gets in your blood and, and, you know, there's nothing that makes you feel better than helping someone else. And I think that's kind of where that kind of got started. Um, and then as we ended Kylie's cause, uh, the Petrolia Terry Fox run was looking for an organizer because someone was stepping down and it was on the verge of collapse. So it kind of segued us into that. And yeah. I had run this, the run at school for many years. So it was, we've had experience doing our own run. So we just kind of took it over and we've done it for the last 10 years as well. So um, that's kind of where it all started and began. And, um, you know, anything we can help the, the community and rally around the causes is, is, is good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jace, do you want to hop on that question too? I can just uh, run it back here for you if you want. It's uh, what's the driving force behind your will and want to, to help? And what are some of the principles and disciplines or qualities uh, that you feel you can kind of uh, acquire by doing these acts? Yeah, I just feel that there's a lot of people out there that that we, we have it better than them, I guess you could say. So just lending a helping hand and or raising money or whatever it may be to help them in any way, it's just, you don't feel any better than after doing it or doing a good act like that. So I guess helping anybody that needs help and at any time is just amazing, especially with the COVID times, everyone's struggling with different things. So just, doing anything, little things, big things, whatever it may be, just help them get through the tough times. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think it was uh, Jim Rohn, um, one of the, the people that I will listen to periodically, he talks about how um, being charitable and everything like that is, it is almost an act of selfishness because of what it truly brings to you. The, the goodness of helping others is just, so uplifting for your own personal uh, well-being to know that you're stepping outside of of being just looking after your own needs and stuff like that so those are great points that you both brought up and it's truly astonishing the amount that i've seen you guys uh take upon yourself um uh, the, and the, the more i learned kind of from a uh a, a athletic aspect I suppose is uh, what it took to be a better teammate and how much a sports team uh, should be active in the community the more I realized how important it was to take the time to help out uh, whether that's with volunteering with youth sport sport which 
I did a lot back back in Wingham. And then as I came down to Sarnia, I got more involved with it as well, or helping with charitable events like you guys have talked about there. Um, every little bit helps and shows uh, great character. Um, we often overlook uh, the importance of this, I believe, as an individual. But in the day where sports teams, you know, junior, college, and pro are looking to be positive influences on their community, the character aspects of an athlete are just as important as the skill and ability almost in that sense, when you think of the interviews that go on at, at the draft combine in, in the NHL and they, they'll mark certain people just based on their character on whether they would actually entertain the idea of drafting them. So I just want to say once again, that I'm very impressed with what I see from you, Jace, with uh, your 15 going on 16 or maybe 16 already. Uh, and I think if you continue to progress and demonstrate this willingness to support your community, you'll have a bright future uh, no matter where you're headed. So uh, kind of moving on to the, the hockey here, every year is obviously important to a player's development, but there's something, something extra special about a draft year that makes it feel uh, that much more important, I suppose. Uh, Jace, you're eligible to be drafted June 4th or fifth in the OHL priority draft. It is your draft year. Uh, speaking for yourself and essentially for your peers who found themselves in the same situation this year, how devastating was the season for you guys when you consider the way things played out with the restrictions? And then furthermore, just the complete shutdown of hockey here in Ontario at the Christmas time. Yeah, I mean, playing hockey is, is a fun game and you you play it because you love the game, but I guess at the back of your mind, there's always June 4th, June 5th, OHL draft. You always have that in the back of your mind. It's always been a goal of mine and everybody that plays hockey per se. So I guess coming from having regular seasons and seeing a bunch of the Sarnia kids ahead of me get drafted and stuff like that, just looking up to them, it's always been just amazing to look up and kind of, I want to be like them one day sort of thing. And then when this COVID thing, came around the corner and snuck up on us and everything was shut down. It's just been, I don't know. It's haven't had a much of anything, not only with hockey, but there's nothing going on in life. So yeah, I guess coming from just hockey, I, there's what can you do about it? But there's just nothing happening. I mean, we, we'd love to have a season and all, but I don't know. You can't really do much about it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I can <laughs> I can sense the frustration <laughs> and I'm right there with you, uh, Steve, as a father, and I believe you were the GM of that uh, age group, Jason's team for the Lampton Sting. Uh, how did this impact you in kind of, I guess, both of those roles? Um, well, I think the uncertainty was probably the biggest frustrating part. Nobody really knew what was going to be happening. Um you know, we had the bank account set up early for the team for the year. Um, I had all the tournaments booked, the hotels booked, and then I had to cancel them all. And then, then we thought we were going to be able to start after Christmas. So then you're back booking things and trying to get in and make sure we're on list to be considered for different tournaments. And then we were all geared up thinking, okay, we had the little showcase at Christmas time, um, you know, and thinking that after Christmas, we might get a chance and then we got shut down and then it kept going from January to February to all right now we're back on for 10 10 skaters and then we got put into gray I guess lockdown so yeah. then we went and got some ice in Strathroy and tried to keep the kids skating because yeah. nobody knew at that time whether the draft was going to be in May or June or whether there was going to be a draft or whether there was showcases that were supposed to be happening this weekend and next weekend and then you know there's a lot of just booking and you get your hopes up and then no, nope, not going to happen. And then you get your hopes up and then it's not going to happen. And it was just yeah. one of those things where you couldn't really plan too far ahead. And, you know, you're always collecting money to pay for, you know, that week's ice or the next week's ice or whatever. It was just kind of a, a mixed up year. And it, you know, I give the, the boys credit every time they came to the rink, they were happy. They were smiling and happy to be with their friends and yeah. out on the ice doing what they love. But, um, yeah, if, if they got one thing out of it, they were they built some resiliency skills, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I can I can vouch that setting up and organizing and then having to hand back refunds is a <laughs> not a very enjoyable part. I've gone through my fair share. I talked about it uh, before on this podcast. Just March break in 2020, I had a four day camp, basically full day camp set up to to run for the youth, and then uh, going forward with, uh, like you said, moving to Strathroy area in April of this year and looking to set up a thing for every Saturday. And, and Clark just became the age where uh, he could go skate with Aaron Brand with vision hockey as well. So we kind of had these options that were seemingly going to be viable. And then everybody's put into gray and kibosh so <laughs> it definitely was it's it's been a testing time and the resilience resilience like you mentioned is uh if we can learn from that aspect i guess it's it's we can learn through this uh, but even though it's a difficult time so um probably the hardest part uh to the lockdowns being just dragged along uh is staying focused and committed to bettering yourself even though you likely have that set goal um thinking for you yourself there jace with with training and everything what difficulties are you facing as you continue to try to stay motivated through the pandemic yeah i mean especially since the covid thing there's been a lot of roadblocks and detours that have been made just to stay focused and keep my head on my shoulders to hopefully achieve that goal here soon. So uh, just continually working out, reminding myself what I'm working for and staying driven to my, to hockey and getting bigger, faster, stronger, and just always working out and uh, keeping school as my top priority. And yeah, even online school, there's a lot more distractions at home than there would be in the classroom, but just putting the hammer down on school and staying focused on that while incorporating some solid workouts in and just, watching video of hockey and watching hockey on TV, all of just keeping in shape, I guess. And yeah. So when we get back to hockey at some time, we're ready to go. So, yeah. Is there anything that you can uh, kind of help along with motivation, whether it's motivation techniques, Steve, or is it, you just kind of let, let Jace kind of handle those things on his own at this point? Uh, he's a pretty driven kid. He uh, he's pretty goal focused and he has his eye on, something he's very determined yeah and he keeps going it's as parents we just kind of kind of be there and just calm the water sometimes and just say you know what don't worry about it you know everybody else is in the same boat don't get too hung up on it if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't yeah you know it's it's not just happening to you it's happening to every kid in ontario or canada or north america at sometimes and i think that just kind of puts things in perspective and just you know you don't let it build up too much. And even with the draft coming up and, you know, we've heard of kids that we knew from the past that, you know, you talk to all these teams and they say, Oh, we're going to take you in the third round or yeah. fifth round and, and nothing ever happens. And, you know, you get your hopes up and, and you know what, we just take it one day at a time. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, it's an opportunity, you know, for the kids one yeah. way or the other, right. It's exactly. A good they get selected and it's a good opportunity if they don't, they don't and they yeah. can, open some more doors a different direction or, or whatever. So yeah, there's not 100%. a whole lot of focus being placed on it. It's just, it's there and we strive towards it. And if it happens, it happens. Yep. I, uh, I agree with that. Uh, and JC had just talked about the education aspects there. Um, and obviously excelling and progressing in sport and they're kind of what's your driving force with both of those aspects. When you weigh the options of, like a major junior hockey route versus the NCAA hockey route. Is there a specific course you would prefer to go to? Uh, and has the pandemic had an influence and swayed your decision at all? Kind of as you kind of entertain the, the ideas. No, I'd say academically, it's just been taking all your basic courses and striving for the best in each of them. Cause I'm just keeping all all doors open as of right now because yeah. there's a lot of uncertainties in the in the world we're living in right now. So just keeping all doors open, and I guess we'll make further decisions as time comes. But I'm like, there's a lot of courses that I'm interested in. Like I'm interested in maths and sciences and stuff, but I haven't narrowed 
any decisions down yet. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, Steve, do you have a preferred direction for Jace or you're just like, I mean, I guess the benefits of where major junior is right now is they do have the, uh, the agreements where they cover a certain amount of university or college after the fact. Um, I still feel like there is kind of a bit of more of a difference in, in the route that you go because of the educational aspects that NCAA really does put onto it. Whereas you you kind of get away from that with how busy and hectic the major junior schedule is. Do you have a preference on which direction Jace were to go? Uh, no, I don't really have a preference. It's whatever is going to make him happy and whatever is going to pursue his goals. Yeah. Thing with scholarships and, you know, like I kind of dabbled in the idea when I was in high school too and wrote my SATs and sent letters around and whatever for, for baseball. And, and it was, it's not all what it's cracked up to be, I think. And even, you know, doing some seminars and things like that, listening, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of uncertainties and there's no such thing as a full ride so much anymore. There's, there's a lot of partials. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of small print that you have to be aware of. And, yeah. You know, the whole concept of injuries and are you going to be able to, um, continue on and do what you want to do what happens if you don't make the team or the recruiting class the next year is better then you're not going to get played are you going to stay there are you going to be able to take the courses that you want to come out of there with to come back to Canada or Ontario is it going to transfer are you going to have to start over again when you get back home there's a lot of things up in the air that you don't know about some uncertainty so um so we'll, yeah. we'll have it play out as we go but uh you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with even staying in Ontario and going to university and exactly and cracking a line up there either. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, NCAA is not necessarily like, I know that they've probably even kind of gone further towards their 18, um, 19 and 20 year olds that they're, that they're bringing out of whether it's junior B or tier two junior a hockey. So, uh, I mean, there's plenty of examples of, of uh, people that have only uh, committed in their in their last year of junior hockey. I can think of Jeremy Welsh being a prime example of that, uh, who I've talked to last summer, uh, and he did he didn't make the leap until his 20 year old season and went to uh, to Union College, and then three years later is playing for the Hurricanes. So. Um, I mean, there's a great example of somebody that just stayed committed to it and wasn't, maybe he had his own frustrations along the way, but he would just put his head down and did the work, right? So sticking with education, uh, how has the online learning been for you, Jason? How would you compare it to learning while physically attending classes? Well, it's definitely not the same, that's for sure. I'm just sitting behind a computer screen, learning a chemistry lesson as in this week is definitely not the same as seeing your teacher up at the front and doing all the examples and everything like experiment and stuff. You're watching a video, a YouTube video, instead of actually getting to do it yourself, like hands-on stuff. So, and then my other class, I have foods online. So how are you supposed to cook over a computer screen? Right. So it's just, it's, it's definitely not the same. That's for sure. And Personally, I'm, I would rather be back in school just because it offers so much more. And I guess at home, there's a lot more distractions too. So like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the same. That's for sure. Yeah. Steve, have you found it a, a challenge to teach? Well, are, I don't know if you're doing mainly online stuff or yeah. I guess it would be right. Yeah. We're all online hundred percent. So yeah, the big part is the engagement part, right. To try to get the kids engaged and you know, they don't have to have their cameras on. So you don't really know what they're doing behind the off camera icon that you're staring at. Yeah. Whether they're actually, you know, playing with their dog, laying in the bed or went outside while you're trying to teach the class. And <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's different. It's tough. I know every, uh, every home is different. You got some houses with parents that are both working from home and, uh, you know, the kids are doing their lessons on their own basically, or, or you've got, you know, a rural country farmhouse that doesn't have enough 
internet power to power mom and dad's work computers and the kids as well and yeah. they got to take turns on when they're on and off and we got some that are with grandparents and trying to do as much as they can and it's uh it, it's a struggle and not every situation is the same and yeah. you often hear that people say you know we're all in this together we're all in the same boat well no we're not all in the same boat and the uh you know some people some kids uh their safe space isn't at home their safe spaces at school yeah and that's a tough thing for a lot of kids that now they're spending 24 7 at home in an environment that may not be good yeah. and uh, it, it's tough to make that connection and, and talk to the kids and you know they've got these option one and option two option one they're joining the classes option two they're doing it on their own time so some kids we haven't even seen or you know had much contact with because they're just right. doing it on their own and whenever they can fit it in so it's definitely tough. It's a challenge. And um, we're hoping that we can get back to school sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You touch on the safe spots and, and yeah, it's, it's fine and dandy when, when you're in an environment that is uh, comfortable and, and you don't have maybe the added stress of, of unfit, whether it's parents or whatever the case may be. Uh I know when you talk, talked about what the kids are doing behind the screen, our five-year-old, he's uh, found his own way to, to do it. So he uh, will go into his meetings and then he'll, he's been given this opportunity to go into these more advanced courses where they're uh, doing uh, spelling and math games and stuff like that. So he'll log into his, into his video and then, go away from the video and start doing, doing his math and his other games. And he doesn't really pay attention to what's going on, but it, it sure looks like he's there. So yeah. even the five-year-olds four he just turned five are uh, figuring that out junior kindergarten. Sure. Um, he, and the, a big part of attending school and, and sport is the interaction with others and being social and engaging with others is linked to linked to healthy living. How has this impacted your lives in regard to mental well-being, being kept away from these, I'd, I'd call them positive outlets? Do you want to touch on that one first, Jace? Yeah, I mean, being isolated in your own little bubble away from friends and I guess everybody except your immediate family has been, I guess, dark, you could say. It's just you're staring at the same walls and roof all the time and you're just limited on what you can do to say the least so I mean tr trying to make the most of what you have and your resources at your fingertips that's all you got but other than that it's been pretty dark times I guess for some and I guess just making the most of what you can do is all you can do I guess these days so yeah Steve do you want to touch on that question as well well I think I know just from our perspective Jace being an only child um we've kind of expanded our immediate circle right. with another kid down the street who's also an only child. And, you know, they've been good for each other and they come down and they work out every day on their lunch hour and yeah. get together after school. And, and, you know, like you, you got to do what you got to do to kind of get by. And I, I know just from the kids I've been teaching as well, that they seem to have their own little core group that they, they hang with and, you know, they get out and they do exercise or, you know, ride their bikes or go to the park or whatever they're able to do. And I know yeah. some kids are even having sleepovers, you know, taboo, but <laughs> uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, what every, again, every situation is different and people will do what they need to do to maintain that mental health and a positive, you know, outlook on everything. And it's, it's easy to get down in the dumps and think that this is never going to end and whatever, but you know, you got to keep striving. And even if it's just making small goals to get through the day or something, you know, the, these kids, Jason's age that are, you know, approaching the draft and teams are talking to them and, you know, it kind of gives them that incentive, that hope that keeps bringing them on. And, and that hopefully, you know, baseball will be allowed to happen after June 2nd yeah. you know, lockdown ends and, get back to some sort of normalcy, get the kids back together again. And, you know, it would be nice if they could get that stuff open and not close everything down for summer, just to give kids hope that, you know, come September, you know, 
things are going to get better. It's going to get back to what we normally get used to. If yeah. they close her down for the entire summer, that's going to be a tough haul for, you know, another two long months or whatever of nothing happening, which yeah. is going to be tough. But I think just making those small goals and, and picking away and know that there's a brighter days ahead and, and keep plugging away. Yeah. Yeah, definitely tough if, if it were to continue. And that, it was a great segue into the next question here. So when you look abroad, you'll, you'll notice hockey, baseball, other sports, uh, whether it's professional or even amateur, have uh, continued or since continued, yet we're stuck in the place we've been. Uh, and even we have outdoor recreation facilities and sports fields that are being prohibited during this, which is seemingly a bit absurd. Uh, with where we're sitting and still kind of in the unknown for what may happen next month or even into the fall, um, like has the thought of playing or like transferring into a U US or overseas, I mean, it's maybe a bit of a, a far reach for where where you guys are but i know that there's other junior hockey players that have have been doing that because they understand understood that hey this is probably my only opportunity has that thought uh crossed your mind at this point uh steve do you just want to essentially maybe it has crossed jason's mind but <laughs> being the authority figure maybe you should lead the way with this one <laughs> um you know as a family i don't we haven't really seriously considered that yet. And um, I know some of the kids in Toronto and whatever that are probably in a different financial situation than some of the other people, but yeah, um, you know, they were going to shipping out to hockey academies at Christmas and, and over in the States and playing and they got to continue. Some kids were going to Europe or wherever, um, you know, that's all great and dandy, but, I, I, I don't think that's something that we're considering, but yeah. And again, we've got to hope that, you know, with more vaccines on the way and getting hopefully the kids vaccinated and get back to school in September and, or even before that uh, things are going to rebound here and, and get going. And I think this is where he wants to be. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think he just wants to play. I don't yeah. know moving to the States is something that, or wherever to play is something he wants to do just yet, but yeah, I'll let him answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jace, oh, I guess we'll just give you kind of, if circumstances were to open that that was a possibility, would you be open to, to doing that? Yeah. I mean, those, those exact discussions haven't really happened, but I mean, I play hockey cause I love the game. That's it. Like, Without it, like there's a lot of time, free time in my hands. So, I mean, I don't think moving there is my direct answer for my happiness, I guess. I feel like I have a good solid friend group here that all want the same thing. So I think moving away from here, there's going to be, in my opinion, as of right now, more negatives than there would be positives having to basically restart, make new friends, go on a new team or whatever. So I think just sticking it out with all my buddies here and hoping for the best and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel someday will, uh, will be the best option as of right now. Cause I play hockey cause I love it. So yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens here in the near future. Yeah. And, and it is a, it's a scary thing to think of. I know when I first started uh, junior hockey, I was still able to stay at home. So it wasn't until I moved off to college uh, that 17 I guess um where I had that first experience away from home but even then I had had uh, gone to live with my sister so it wasn't like I was truly escaping and and not having that family aspect and uh, a friend moved with me as well so that was kind of our household and and it was very obviously a comforting feeling even though I was away from home so um do you guys kind of shifting to maybe how things are here in Ontario. Do you guys feel there is a safe way to conduct games and practices or are these measures fitting to what we are dealing with after a year of figuring out what type of risk we are, are at with all of this? Uh, Jace, do you want to start with that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Coming from a 
from a kid that just wants to play, I, I absolutely think there's uh, there's ways to open things up safely and get the show on the road kind of thing. Because if uh, every other country around the world and uh, there's a lot of other places out there that are doing that safely. So in my opinion, it's just kind of a thing like, why can't we sort of thing. So I feel like for sure there's, there's definitely a way to do things. It's just a matter of somebody's got to make a decision and not look back on it sort of thing, test the waters and see how it goes. Cause at the end of the day, that's the only reason, or that's the only way uh, that's going to happen. So right. until then, we'll sit here. <laughs> yeah. And we'll s stick to our zoom meetings. That's right. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you want to talk about that question there as well? Touch on it. Well, I, I think, you know, what we were able to do all year long, we didn't have any COVID issues. The issues are the dressing room, right? Like that's where the, the rec league outbreaks yeah. happened or whatever was, you know, the, the after part of hockey. Right. So these kids weren't really allowed to be in the dressing room too much. They couldn't shower. They would just basically put skates on and then out you go kind of thing. So, you know, like, yeah, part of hockey is, is the camaraderie and the hanging out before and the after and the whole preparation bit and whatever. But when it comes down to it, it's the game of hockey that they're playing. So where there's a will, there's a way. And yeah. I, I definitely think, especially for kids, um, you know, maybe not with the whole fans thing, with the junior team being able to pack people in or whatever, that's the, the big question. But for minor hockey, there's definitely a way to do it. And I think, you know, they should be playing and out there. And, you know, all the science pointed towards that kids weren't transmitters of it and whatever. Now, granted, that was before the, the variants all came on board and things kind of changed a little bit. But, you know, if the, if the U.S. kids could continue playing all along, then I, I don't see why the Canadian and Ontario kids can't. Yeah, I know. I, like I was coaching this year as well and at all the measures that were in place, uh, it all seemed like things were running very smoothly. And, and, you know, I think you have to take it upon yourself as an individual or as a parent to understand if your kid is feeling symptoms that you are going to take it upon yourself to do the correct thing uh, and keep them away from the cohort uh and it really should be on the individuals i thought we were we were on the right track and then december 20th was our last skate and it was like how devastating is it to think that we had a, a third segment that we were supposed to conduct and we, we weren't able to do that and i feel for all the all the minor hockey kids um and junior kids, you know, the ones, yeah, it doesn't really matter for the rec league hockey players at this point, but though the kids that, whether it's, you know, you're learning the game and you want to keep learning because you have that passion for the game. And Jace obviously has that. And he's a, also a player that is hoping to kind of excel his game and take it to the next level. So a year, a half a year away from it is, is really tough, uh, tough on all the kids and uh it's it's very sad when i think that like i agree with you guys that there was a the safe way to continue on with things all right i guess we'll kind of move on to kind of maybe your relationship with connor murphy here i i know that there's it's probably kind of from his time being with the sarnia sting uh in the ohl and now you've kind of followed his career beyond as well. Uh, Jace, is he a, a player that you model your game after? And maybe you even want to just talk about kind of where that relationship started with uh, Connor. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's a great defenseman to begin with. And then when he was in Sarnia, he was just most down to earth kid on that team. So I think it started off with him giving me a puck after one of the games and I just fell in love with the guy. I mean, skating with him after pregame skates to meeting him after the games, getting his autograph was just, it's, 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 a, it's something I'll never forget. And then when he made it to uh, Arizona, we, we went down there to, to watch him. We traveled to Arizona to watch him and turned it into a vacation. And then now he's with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then we made it down to Chicago to watch him play there. So just following his journey and he's, he's definitely someone I look up to. So, yeah, I guess from, from day one when he was in Sarnia, he was the he was my idol, you could say. Yeah. 
has he kind of passed along any wisdom or advice to you over the course of uh, that the time that's been? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just getting to know the guy and texting him back and forth about certain things. He's he's for sure gave me some like tips and tricks on some things, and he sent me some workouts and stuff. So I mean, just just seeing what type of guy he is and how he shapes himself and carries himself around is just definitely something I look up to. Yeah, uh, I. I'll move to you here with this kind of as well, Steve, maybe just kind of maybe from your perspective on, on that relationship and just kind of how special it is that somebody like Connor Murphy would take that time to help with uh, a younger player. Well, for sure. He's, he's one of the, the good ones out there. He's a great role model for the kids. And, and right when he first came to, to Sarnia, he was injured and wasn't able to play and, he got to know my wife a little bit through injury rehab and, and uh, you know, the games he couldn't play, he didn't know anybody cause he just got to the team. So he would actually come down and sit with us behind the sting net where our season tickets were. So he would sit while he was injured with us in the seats for a bit or in between intermissions and yeah. talk with Jace and whatever. We got to know the family a little bit and, it always give the Petrolia Tyke update or the novice update on what was <laughs> happening in Petrolia when he was in Tyke and novice. And yeah, Connor would actually even come out Sunday mornings to our seven or eight o'clock uh, Tyke practices and help run them. And uh, you know, he was a great guy. He was great with the kids. Um, you know, we were able to try to get to a game every year, whether it was Buffalo or Detroit, or you know, we did our March breakout in Arizona and got to catch a couple games and some spring training baseball with them and yeah got to know them on a different level and you know it's it's pretty neat to to go to a game and you know all the people are lined up around the the boards or whatever at warm-ups and yeah. he'll find jason he'll always give him a puck or whatever and even last year when we went he was you know in detroit flipping pucks and whatever and he's got that special connection with them and it's nice to to be able to bounce things off and just you know talk to them when you're going through different things or how to play a certain play or um you know workouts nutrition that kind of stuff it's just nice to see that you know have that person to bounce things off of that's in there living his dream right now yeah that's great i and this is kind of a, a carryover question here and and jace you talked about it kind of certain things that you continue to work on um, from a personal standpoint, I love to watch the game of hockey and even of other sports as well. Um, and I, what I find I often do is I'll, I'll watch certain players and, and kind of kind of pick and choose what, what they're doing that kind of makes them so good. How important do you feel this aspect of training is for you? And why would you recommend any aspiring athlete to do the same? Jace, do you want to? Yeah, I mean, just if if you want to be the best at what you do, I mean, take every tactical advantage you can and use it to your best interest. Like working out, getting bigger, faster, stronger. Like as you're sleeping, your competition's working, sort of thing. So just being always on the clock and always on the eight ball, working hard to what you like is just it's it's the only way you're gonna achieve your goals at the end of the day. And I mean, looking up to uh, professional athletes, and they're just a different breed. They're always training, working hard, and but at the same time, living their dream. So I guess it's always been a goal of mine to look up to those guys and just modeling their stuff and, uh, or modeling my training, I guess, after them and just hopefully be like them one day. So I guess for any athlete coming up, if fall in love with the game and do whatever it takes to get better and take your game to the next level. So that's what yeah. I got. And Steve, you're in the same boat as me. You have Jace. Uh, I got I got three boys. One obviously isn't playing hockey yet, but uh, like for me now I can watch video and my boys will throw on the YouTube and they'll be searching Crosby and, and kind of like if I'm watching the video along with them and you watch his edge work and stuff like that is, is being kind of like in the, in the mentorship and coaching role is uh video, something that you kind of would kind of uh, look into to help, the teaching process? Uh, I, I know the coaches have done a lot of video stuff since we've been off. They did some weekly Zoom meetings and did some Team Canada uh, sessions and stuff like that. And the 10 habits of, you know, winning hockey players and 
that kind of stuff. And I, I think there's definitely a place. I think in the last year and a half, it's probably been almost overkill for sometimes because you're yeah. getting true your work, your school, your you know everything is all zoom, 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 and you kind of get zoomed out a little bit. But um, yeah, there's definitely a place, and you see it on the NHL benches now too, where the iPads are instantaneous. Yeah. Right, you come off the bench, you see your shift, you you make corrections, or you know it's it's not like oh you know two days from now we're going to get to it at practice because they got have to have time to review the game film. It's you know, 30 seconds and you know exactly what happened or what went wrong. So it, it's something that's definitely here to stay and it's a good tool to have, um, you know, and, you know, with the social media outlets that are out there, there is 24 seven highlight reels for anybody and everybody seems to have a uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, or they do. <laughs> you can watch highlights till you, you know, the cows come home. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you'll agree with this one, Jace. Maybe there should be more GoPro cams on the helmet so the players can give video review to the parents that are screaming from the crowd and say, hey, I should I should have seen these options out here because I'm looking over here. I don't have the peripheral vision that you guys have. <laughs> so one of my biggest pet peeves when I sit amongst amongst the fans is just the insight that you get from certain parents that uh, I like – I was playing competitive hockey right up until the lockdown as well. And, and, just, and I understand being on the ice and in that moment. So it's, it's just one of my pet peeves that kind of just spurred up there. So sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been great to have the GoPros on yeah. the last year. Cause trying to find video for these scouts that want video clips. Yeah. Yeah. And any video you get is, a hundred miles away because no one was allowed in the seats. So yeah, it's a little tough. I'm sure any ref that heard that would probably would probably like to share their uh, perspective as well. <laughs> I, I kind of kind it really is kind of similar to kind of that last question here. But you know where you are right now. Is there any advice you would share to a younger version of you uh, or to any kid who? is looking to play at, at an, an elite level, AAA hockey, uh, that you wish, whether you knew it at an earlier age or something that you have uh, learned along the way, Jace? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say if, if you're wanting to take your game to the next level, and, and I'd say my biggest tip or advice I'd give to anybody else is train because you love the game. Don't train to tell your buddies that you're training to get better than them. I'd say just it's practice because you love doing what you're doing. It's not practicing because, oh, mom or dad wants me to play here or my buddy's going to go play here. I want to play here. Do it if you love the game. Don't do yeah. it if you don't. Simple as that. So, I mean, if you love the game, play with it. Get better at it. Try your best at it and good things will happen for you. So stay determined yeah. through these tough times and there's light at the end of the tunnel. So keep working yeah. hard. That's great advice. Steve, do you want to, do you want to add to uh, that question at all? Yeah, I think uh, to the kids and, and I tell the kids at school this all the time is play everything you can, right? There's don't just pick one thing and stick with it all the time. You, you can get bored of it and, yeah. and, you know, play every sport you can until it, you have to try to make that decision to stop. Like, you know, Jace plays travel baseball and he's quite talented in that and had some great opportunities, won some championships and, you know, and, he's you know golfing and track and field and played volleyball and you know anything you can get in you, there's always transferable skills from one exactly to the next and i think that it, you know that ability to clear your mind and, and separate you know put the hockey equipment away pull out something else and whether it's lacrosse or golf or tennis or whatever swimming you know do everything you can to make yourself better because those skills that you learn from all those other sports and the mental preparation part as well yeah. will, uh, will help you in your chosen sport. Yeah. And, and it, it's kind of the overlaying factor too, is just the, the vast amount of relationships and uh, that you're going to build because not everybody's doing the exact same thing. So if you're into different sports, you're going to be meeting and uh, being around different people and those relationships become so valuable as you move forward in life, whether it's, 
you know, somewhere down the line, you're going to bump into that person that, you know, just because you had that immediate uh, kind of conversation started with them, you can, you can catch up on old times or, Hey, you never know that person could be in a spot where they could get you a job down the future. So there's so many great networking options with it. And uh, yeah, just, I like, I like what you both said there. That was really good. Uh, finally. So I'll thank you both for your time to this point. It's been amazing. I just wanted to uh, finish off Jace this Saturday. You're planning on, I assume it's still a go the uh, 100 kilometer challenge alongside three of your friends. Do you want to explain the challenge and the reason behind doing it? Yeah. So basically this Saturday, we're going to run bike rollerblade and we're each going to do 25 kilometers each to add up to a grand total of hundred kilometers. And I guess the reasoning behind this is because uh, a boy from forest, uh, Fraser Anderson, he's uh, he's been having, a, he's, He's had, he's had a rough go the past few months, I guess, and a little eye doctor's appointment turned into a big thing. So um, we just, me and my friends have been working out a lot here at home. So uh, we might as well, we might as well put our workouts to some good use and help somebody in need. So this Saturday we're raising some money for Fraser and we're going to have fun with it too. That's great. Uh, and do you want to just kind of touch on if anybody is listening to this and, and, whether they get to them beforehand, is it something that they can continue to tr contribute to following the event and how would they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, donations are just coming in directly to us or e-transfer to stevemcgrailhotmail.com. So that's where the donations have been coming into. And then we're going to have jugs set up on the trail where we're running bike and rollerblading on Saturday for anybody that wanted to pop by and contribute or, do anything that way support so that's how the donations and support is coming through so that's what or that's how that's happening so perfect well thanks for your time tonight guys it was uh great to be able to to share this perspectives from 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 you guys and and i hope that uh everything continues to uh get better for us here in ontario and we're able to kind of get back to what we would view more of a normal lifestyle. So uh, thanks Steve and Jace for joining me tonight. Good job, Dr. Carlson. 